0: Now, here's
1: your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. I, I love doing these shows, and it's just wonderful to be back with you uh, again today. I, I can't believe this is the 419th uh, show of the Business Elevation Show. Uh, so, we've been going a little while now. Um, it'll be the 10th anniversary on the 3rd of September. And uh, I hope wherever you are around the world you're you 're keeping well in these rather strange times and uh, and you know if you 're looking for inspiration to help you to elevate your business um, develop yourself uh, and you know improve uh, improve um you know your opportunities and make a bigger contribution to the world then you 've come to the right place and we 've got another great guest today we 've got paul burton we 're going to be talking um, about well we 're going to have you stop guessing today. Um, so we'll tell you a little bit about, more about that uh, shortly. Uh, thank you to my guest last week, serial entrepreneur Peter Goodman, uh, and uh, another great show last week and lots of insight on on entrepreneurship. Um, I'd like to say mention a friend today, uh, Derek Finlayson. Uh, Derek's been um, a, a good client of mine in the past and and a friend, and he recommended to me today to talk to today's guest, Paul Burton, and was telling me what a great guy he he is, uh, and um, and I've really enjoyed my engagement with him so far. And uh, this is his very first podcast. So he's, he's, he's managed to uh, stay away from the media and, uh, and keep away from uh, this kind of a, a thing. I've persuaded him to come and join us today. Uh, and he's also men- asked me to mention if anyone's got any feedback for him, um, you know, please send it through. You know, feedback, as uh, Ken Robinson said. Uh, is the feedback of champions. So we appreciate it and I appreciate it too. So, um, you know, I'm always open to feedback as well and how we can improve and do things uh, even better. So how often as leaders and managers are we caught out when making some assumptions about the needs and desires of our employees? Now, my guest, Paul Burton, he's an entrepreneur and he's got a real passion for making a really positive impact on people he 's taken his thirty years of experience um, a little similar to myself can 't believe Paul how it stacks up. Uh, you think you're, you're suddenly you 're the youngest for so many years, and then suddenly you realize that you 're not anymore and uh, But what I think comes out of that those years of, of work and communicating and connecting is experience and I know paul you 've got wisdom sorry, I know paul you've got a lot of, lot of that and, and you've, you've you know your background um, paul 's background was about. Uh, transforming business performance uh, to create disruptive personal and professional uh, development. And he's, he's done that today through a platform that he and his colleagues have created with data insights that are facilitating really meaningful change. And they're called POBI, P-O-B-I, and SeatCoach. So we'll find out a little bit more about those. Now, Paul, in the early 2000s, turned around an underperforming franchise of Abbey Bank. Which was then bought by Santander for lots and lots of money after a multi year uh, improvement in performance, so he really transformed that franchise um, to the point where AXA then engaged with him and he developed and led a culture change program with th- over three thousand over three thousand employees, which must have been quite an undertaking, and that led to double digit growth, improved customer and employee satisfaction. Rates year on year in a declining market. So uh, he did some great work there, and he's turned all of that experience into into doing what he's doing today. So we're going to talk today about some of the assumptions that you might you might inadvertently find yourself making about employees, but um, they could be at your peril. So let's uh, let's have a conversation about that. A big welcome to my guest today, Paul Burton.
2: Hi, uh, hi, Chris. Thanks ever so much. It's uh, a great privilege to be on and thanks for the opening uh, gambit saying that i have some wisdom to share so it's only down from here right
1: right you don't know it's only up from here and you don't get on this show unless you've got some wisdom so uh uh you certainly do um so well tell us about where you where you're based where do you live
2: so i live in uh, shurston which is south cotswolds um so down in sort of the southwest of, uh, of of the uk uh in a little village so just uh just really privileged to be in a, in a, in a great place, especially, I guess, you know, what's been happening uh, quite recently and in lockdown, it's, uh, it's certainly not been a bad place to be, um, to be stuck, shall we say.
1: So if anybody, I mean, we, we, we get accessed incredibly in over 50 countries each month on this show. So a lot of people will not know where that is, but the Cotswolds in the United Kingdom, a beautiful part of the country. It's uh, one of my favourite areas actually. So,
2: yeah, it's, it's it's truly stunning. It's truly stunning. So the ability to be able to get out, you know, get out on the bike and all that sort of stuff during the uh, lockdown. It's you know straight onto country roads. You know, it's uh it's been it's been wonderful.
1: Yeah. So Paul was just saying before the interview, I, I was I, I invited the our engineer today. He said he's very welcome to come and stay, and said he hadn't an invite yet. So you are welcome, but you have to invite me to the Cotswolds. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're certainly welcome. <laughs> so so um Paul, I mean, how has the last year? been for you and, and and your your family
2: i think it's um i guess it's been really double-edged uh chris um you know obviously there's uh there's been an awful lot of impact you know for for all manner of people um we've been really privileged as i say to kind of you know to live around here we haven't you know obviously other than going to see my, you know my my aged parents um you know we've been blessed to live in a, in a great community with you know access to go out i think the big I think the big thing, well, I guess there's two things that happened for me. One is um, uh, we've kind of pivoted from a business perspective um, and kind of needed to um, from having a a business that's been set up to be able to kind of sell to, you know, kind of businesses um, uh, and a product that kind of really only got finished in the last 12 months, 18 months um, to find that actually, you know, we were at a point where we were Wanting to talk to businesses, but businesses were not knowing whether or not they can keep the lights on and having a conversation with us was something that they just weren't ready to do. But what that meant that we did was actually develop out the the proposition to be able to, you know, support just individuals. So from a business perspective, it kind of, it taught us a lot. um, And actually, as a consequence of it, we're in a much better place to be able to kind of, you know, move forward. On an individual perspective, um, I think, I think in a sense, it's been brilliant. In as much as it's kind of it's made me stop and think and kind of reevaluate what I'm doing. You know, to a certain extent I've been driven by having a positive impact on the business for so long that you just kind of drive, drive, drive. And to get to that point where kind of the world slows down around you and makes you think, you know, actually there's more, you know, to life than business mm-hmm. and you know, there's there's Aged neighbours. Uh, unfortunately, my neighbour, you know, lost her husband, um, he's quite aged and, you know, other people around us have been impacted. But it makes you stop and wake up to, you know, community and about helping people. And, you know, during the during lockdown, I don't know about you, but, um, you know, I spent, I used to go out cycling and I used to go out 100 miles an hour. And I find myself, you know, during lockdown, I did about 30 miles in my car, and about 900 on my bike. And what I did was actually go out and enjoyed cycling and looked up and enjoyed the world and saw what was going on. Yeah. And it was really refreshing just to be able to reevaluate. What about you? How, how, what did you find over that period?
1: Yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of time on my bike. I wasn't doing 100 miles an hour, though. I'm not obviously as quick as you. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, having, it might be a slight exaggeration.
1: I really enjoyed that, actually. I did get on my bike a lot. In the winter, I, was, I sort of swifted a lot, uh, and uh, I, th- I think um, I think for me it's been a really creative year. I think it's helped me to step up and realise what's important. We spent more time with the family, and I felt fortunate that I'm not, you know, not stuck in in like some people in very crowded accommodation or, or you know, in very close proximity without green space and things like that. So I feel very I'll be very grateful for my lot but I'm also very mindful that a lot of people have been through a lot of hardship I've like you I that's very close a neighbor we've had three close friends who've lost parents uh clients who've lost family members Um, you know over here a lot of people have been badly impacted by COVID so totally. I suppose it's about you know the fact we're, we're here and we're able to help is to make the most of the, the, the precious opportunity we've got to be here really
2: yeah I think I think it's so true. and yeah, I think the bit is that you know during you know periods of change like this is when you kind of almost wake up and smell the roses and just kind of you know it's it's almost like a perfect storm, and I don't mean that in in the sense of it's been a you know a good thing, but it's been a prolonged change. And I know that a lot of people that I'm speaking to, a lot of friends in my family have kind of you know reevaluated. I know a lot of my professional colleagues. And certainly some of my slightly older professional colleagues have decided that they want to retire. They don't want to just be, you know, running around at the pace of a bullet and going into London. You know, a lot of people have been moving out into, you know, into the countryside rather than being in the mm. cities and all that sort of stuff. So I think I think, it's ta- I think it's kind of, you know, been a point of real reflection for a lot of people as well as, you know, having to deal with the downside, which yeah. hopefully if we can... I'm hoping because I know you know I love the work that you do and what you stand for about having a positive impact on people, and I'm kind of hoping that we can take some of those bits out of what we've got because I don't the change I don't think is finished by any stretch. In fact, so I think to a certain extent it's only just started, but I hope we can kind of bring bring those things with us and not forget it because they're like they're real bits that make us human, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean, rather than kind of just chasing the pound and you know the bar so. I think it's a, a, a really interesting time
1: yeah tell, tell us a little bit about i know you're very proud about the work that you, you did um did with um, the abbey bank you know and just tell us a little bit about that how did how, what are the key the key insights really around um uh you know how you transformed the performance of that franchise
2: yeah i guess um for me it was a kind of I, to a certain extent it was probably the it was the making and the breaking of me to a certain extent in as much as um, I'd been involved in turning around a lot of, you know, smaller parts of the business or businesses in in, AXA, in, in in Abbey, excuse me. And um, I saw an opportunity in, in the kind of the Bristol and the Southwest marketplace to get involved in a franchise and to be able to buy it at a very reasonable rate because it had been totally underperforming and had been for a long time. And I just thought I could just waft into there and do what I'd done before and, you know, kind of make a difference. And, you know, having, you know, given up a salary and moved a family and uh, all of that sort of stuff for the privilege of doing so, kind of soon found I was um, I was short of the skills that I needed to to kind of totally turn this business around from being 65% to target and we needed to get above 101 to be able to kind of make any money back. And um, so I suppose I went in there. A bit gung ho, uh, kind of fired a whole load of people, hired a whole load of people on the promise that they were better than the people I'd, you know, kind of fired. Um, We spent a load of money on training schemes. We spent a load of money on reward schemes. And we did have, we had um, an uplift in performance to about, in 12 months, around about 85% target. But 85% target, it might as well still be zero because it's not above the line. So it was a bit of a testing, it was a bit of a testing time for me. Um, And I guess the kind of the dawning realisation for me was um, we had really tight performance objectives in place for people. So they knew exactly what they needed to do. But I sat down with a group of, you know, I had 19 sort of managers and I sat down with them and I talked to them about, look, what is it that we need to do? What do we need to change to, you know, to get above the line? It's not it's not beyond us, but what do we need to change? And so I talked to them about what great looked like. You know, what does great look like to be a manager? And I might say, well, I've had 19 managers that were working for different businesses because there was no synergy between what they were saying. There was no common understanding of what the skills that they needed, you know, to be able to perform brilliantly between them. And I thought, so, and I was kind of like, well, how, well what have we spent on our training on, you know, how do we, if we have no common understanding of what we're about doing and what the skills are, what is it that we're sending people to train on, and how do we know it's the right thing to do? Um, so, that was kind of the first point for me, I guess, really of a realization that you know, what we'd been doing is we'd been driving people hard against outcomes, um, but what we hadn't been helping them understand is what they could do differently to change their performance outcomes because it wasn't known. Um, so, I guess to a certain extent, we'd, what we've been doing is we've been treating our people a bit like machines
1: Mm.
2: you know so kind of look you're expected to do this go out and do it you know work work harder you must know what you need to be able to do to be successful Go, go and do it why aren't you doing it you know okay so you're not hitting the mark i'll give you some support okay you're not hitting the mark okay this business isn't for you but it's not kind of it's not the way to connect with people it's not the way to run businesses um and i guess for you know and what we what we did was we stopped, you know, we stopped ourselves um, and kind of started to check in with people about, you know, what is it that you can do differently? So we started to write out what great looked like for managers and, and individuals in the business and started to equip them to be able to understand what they could do differently to change their performance outcomes rather than just working harder. I know that last time we were talking, I used the kind of analogy that there is an assumption just because we're human, everybody knows how to run. But actually, you know, if you watch people run, you know, there's very, very many different styles mm. of kind of running. And there's one guy that can do it in 9.68 seconds, or whatever it is, and that's Usain Bolt. So if you can start to understand what he does and break that down, and you can give everybody that kind of secret ingredient, you can start to work out what you've got to do different. Whereas what we were doing really was timing people on the run and not helping them to know what they could do different. Yeah.
1: yeah. So So, so we've just, we're just got to... About a minute's commercial break now. So this this is what we're talking about when we entitle this "Stop Guessing."
2: Totally, totally. It's kind of yeah. So how do we how do you help people through? You know, so we're all independent. So we're all individuals. You know, and we've all had different journeys. We're all unique. So how do you help individuals know what they've got to do differently to be able to change their performance outcomes? If we're all unique, so we'll have different starting places. Mm. And then how do you do that over a whole organization and multiply that impact from an individual perspective into a manager perspective, into a business perspective?
1: Mm. Great. Excellent. Well, that's really clear. We're going to go to commercial break now. And after the break, we'll, we'll, just, we'll discuss about some of the areas where um, people do guess and uh, maybe some of the ways that you can think about uh, getting that insight and understanding as to... What's really going on? So we're back again with you in just a couple of minutes.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Programme, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper.
1: Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Paul Burton. We're talking about stopping guessing. And I think what Paul, I love the analogy Paul talked about uh the fact that you know, as leaders and managers, we think everybody knows how to run, um, but actually, do they know how to, you know, do they know how to really run? And are we are we are we spending our time timing them? Are we helping them improve uh, themselves as human beings and to become, um, you know, more more able to run effectively? Um, so, Paul, you know, what do you think? I'm just 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 let's think about one particular area. You know, a big hot topic at the moment is remote working. And you know, a lot of people are trying to decide right now: Do I keep my employees at home? Do I um, do I bring them back into the office? Do I split it? You know, what are the is this is, is this an area where we could make a, a mistake that a blanket rule could be guessing what a group of people may or may not want, and it might be different by I, I don't know by individual. Or is this an example where we could make mistakes by? not really seeking out what's important to people?
2: I think there's, um, I think there's a, you know, I think there's a lot of change that's, that's going on right now and remote working, I think is probably just one of those, you know, that's connected to, you know, COVID and, you know, different working arrangements. Um, But I think actually COVID to a certain extent has just exaggerated some of those, you know, or, you know, kind of brought them to the fore as opposed to they were, you know, they were not there before, you know, so, you know, remote working was. We went from having five percent of the UK population working remotely, which is about one point two million people pre-COVID, to forty-nine percent working remotely post-COVID. So, in a period of just a couple of months, what we had is we we you know we 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 went tenfold the number of people that could work at home. So, what was the difference about the you know the transition? It was kind of it was forced as opposed to enabled, and I know as lots of businesses. You know we've kind of stopped people from doing that because of of what you know because we're concerned about whether or not people will be productive or whether or not they'll do the job or we you know what will it be. So but if you think about the, the capability to work remotely it's been it's been available to us since the internet's been great. You know you can get as as good a an internet connection from a Costa Coffee as you can from a work environment. So we just haven't really changed but I do think that it has, I think it has some risks. Um, and I think as you just articulated, I think one of the risks is we just sheep dip again and we make a carte blanche kind of response that goes, well, actually no, everybody's either gonna be this or everybody's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be that. Um, and I think the risk that comes with that is when we talked at the start about people's mindsets about starting to change and about kind of what they want and what's important to them. And I think if businesses don't start to take that into consideration, what they could do is they could lose real talent. Mm. I think the other thing that's probably connected to remote work, and, and I talked about exaggerating some of the problems we've already got, you know, so management capability, is, is our management capa- capability good enough to be able to manage people remotely? You know, I think there was probably a challenge that said, actually, our management capability or leadership capability was in large not good enough, in situ for lots of people. I know when we were talking, you know, we were talking, you know, um, kind of a couple of weeks ago about, you know, the best managers, only the best managers can really equip individuals to be able to grow because they haven't necessarily got the tools. And, and it, you know, kind of, I guess, to a certain extent, connects to, you know, your, you know, your podcast that you had with uh, with Ruby about wisdom. You know, because you don't know. Am I right in terms, Ruby? Hey, Judy, actually. Judy, Judy. Yeah. There you go. It's OK. Yeah. So about, uh, you know, about wisdom and, you know, and the where does wisdom come from? You know, how do you how do you know what that is? And it's, um you know, so managers experience is really very variable. So being remote working, you know, is there a challenge that comes with that? And then how do we, you know, deal with some of the challenges like how do we onboard people? So people are being onboarded right now and have never met anybody in the organization, don't know what the culture is, don't know what they're, you know, to a certain extent, don't know what skills they need or how they interact or who's in their team. You know, if you've got people working remotely, how do you develop them? What does a career look like if I'm working remotely? So there's a kind of, you know, there's I think there's a whole load of challenges that we've got to overcome in that space um but just to kind of finish off that point i think one of the risks that will come through is um is about if you force everybody into one pot or another then you're going to alienate people and it's how do you connect with people and understand what's important to them and have the right conversations right communication to do the right thing by people of course balanced by what your business needs because you know no businesses are a charity and even charities aren't a charity anymore they're a business to a certain extent so you've got to do what's right for your business but you've got to get that balance of understanding why and where and how
1: yeah I think it's a really interesting point point that that we because I've got clients who are going through that dilemma at the moment and some are choosing to bring their staff internally but there is a it's a really good point that actually we feel like you need to bring people in because you want want to build a culture where people are kind of together but actually um, could you gain the same result by the way that you're impacting people through your through communicating with them when they're at home or or a blend because some people just love being at home and there's some people who don't have the environment to be at be at home so I think it's a really good point and the point you made too about so you know what are your what are you kind of? Why the reasons that you're doing it? I think there's, there's always a danger, and you see this with the public sector that you know processes become very arduous because they're aimed at two percent of people who might fraud defraud a system, and not the ninety eight percent of honest, hardworking people who would perform very effectively at home, not not cheat the system. But you, by focusing on the two percent and creating those systems, you tell everybody else we don't trust you. Totally.
2: I don't know. I don't know about you, Chris, but I don't. I don't know anybody that, you know, that turns up to work to do a bad job. I know people that do turn up to work and do a bad job, but not necessarily because of a desire to be able to do that. But sometimes it's around the processes that we, you know, we enforce or the systems that we force, you know, how we alienate people, how we turn them off early, early doors. And as a consequence, you know, change doesn't happen unless it's good enough or bad enough, does it? No. So you've got, you know, we know there's massive disengagement levels in, in the UK workforce but they didn't start off that job disengaged. They became disengaged, you know, and why? So it's not, is it on them or is it on us? You know, and then how do you be able to get to that space? And how do, you, how do you treat individuals as individuals and as adults and try and get the best out of them? And that's, and in my view, that's not sheep dipping everybody. You know, that's not treating everybody like a machine. That is about understanding them, getting close to them, understanding what works for them but balance with what's got to work for the business. Because as I said, you know, it's got to work both ends, hasn't it? But that's where kind of great leadership comes in. But the problems existed before, you know, those things, you know, existed before it's kind of, so what are the processes or what are the things that we're doing that are causing the problems, whether or not somebody's remote or whether or not they're in an office space? You know, what are the things that we're doing that's creating that issue? Because it's, it's on us.
1: So the, so the problem might be there's... there's there's a, a problem or an issue to solve when the first thing is to guess, actually, it's your fault. Um, uh, when actually in reality, we need to hold up a mirror first and say, actually, is this, is this um, our, our fault really in that we've, we've not created a culture, an environment, a system, a process that enables this this kind of approach to be effective? Because it can be.
2: Yeah, you know, productivity rates, you know, productivity rates have skyrocketed, right? You know, you know over this period for, for the majority of people not saying it's carte blanche because obviously it'll be different from industry to industry based on what you can do remotely but productivity rates have really gone up and you know what that's done is started to cause the you know the question about wellness and about whether people are working too long and you know you hear of you know some businesses are doing you know some innovative things like you know let's let's not work on a friday or we don't have meetings on a friday to stop the burnout but is that you know is that really solving the problem you know about burnout and about how people are feeling and how they're working you know does that treat everybody like adults you know mm. to say well actually we don't we won't do a meeting on a friday you can i like it it's it's you know but is it is it a solution or is it you know are we treating symptoms mm. you know and you know how do we get to a point where we understand what people want we understand what people can do we equip you know we don't sheep dip you know because we are all different so how do you understand what those things are and what's going to work for me um by having you know the great conduit and a way of understanding that
1: yeah yeah i think it's that's it's interesting i've worked with a couple of clients today and both of them are doing you know really well on the kind of fitness and it's been inspired by the work i've done with them over the last year one's uh, lost a stone and a half of weight and he's going to lose some more for a wedding he's got coming up the other one is uh is is stopping smoking and is, uh, is is getting fit and are really, really kind of proud of what they're, what they're doing. Um, but it's probably, there's a lot of wellness programs, aren't there? And some people are very, very open to them uh, because they've already feel they've got a need and they can tap into that culture and they can, they can do wellness together. And there are some people who actually, you know, avoid, will avoid it. Uh, it's not high on their agenda, but we can assume, can't we, that, it's on everybody's agenda when it isn't. Um, you, from, it's a bit, you know, from a company perspective, it's great because it improves productivity when we are fitter, healthier, totally, energised. Totally. I mean, it,
2: it, it's, an, it's an amazing foundation, isn't it, for, for all of us? You know, the, you know the, the, the better you are mind, body, and spirit, then the better, potentially you are in life and the job you do, right? But you've got to want to be able to connect with it, mm. you know, as, and, as opposed to being forced through it, Um and you know how do you how do you identify that you know so how do you help individuals identify with that you know and how do you give them the accountability and the empowerment to engage with what's right for them at their time yeah you know so it goes back to you know stop guessing you know so one of the things I guess there's a few different strands but you know what we talk about and what we did in 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 the abbey world was um and 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 since and there's a business is we've kind of broken down what we call you know sort of passport skills you know the skills and the behaviors that are going to you know that you can take into any job you know so technically you're going to need obviously some skills and behaviors but pretty much there's a whole group of skills and and kind of wellness personal personal and career that you're going to need in anything you do. Your best technicians, your best IT guys are the people that have got great soft skills, are able to work as a team, are able to communicate, have got great personal brand, got great wellness. You know, those are the things that they bring. And then they've got, you know, great technical experience on top of that. If you take that same person and put them into a different space like HR, you've got all of those skills. It's really transversal, you know, you can move. And I think one of the things, you know, I know it goes off on a slight tangent that's going on at the moment is, we know that there's a lot of changes going on in jobs and the future of jobs because technology is kind of changing that and very quickly changing the work that we do. You know, and I think the, the future front frontier for us is humanism because technology is doing the technical parts of jobs and doing more and more of it. And what we'll do is we'll get less and less technical aspects that we need, probably more deep technical aspects in certain areas, but less and less because more and more of it has been done by tech. And that's only going to accelerate You know, so the frontier is humanism, right? Because tech can't do what we do brilliantly and we should celebrate that. But if it goes back to the bit that goes, but we're all different and we've all got different understandings of what humanism is and those skills. So how do you kind of help people to be able to run faster by understanding the elements that come together in that? Because it just hasn't been defined by businesses, you know, and as a consequence, you have this gap where people just don't know how to perform or you've got values that go up on the wall and all that sort of stuff. And if you can understand those things in its kind of its entirety and then equip individuals to be able to take accountability for it and measure themselves against it, what you'll find is that for me, it might well be wellness. For Flossie, it might well be listening and communication and relationships. For you know Ben, it might be evolution and innovation and how I think and how adaptable I am. And you know for James, it might be I need to work on trust. And if you can understand those things, then what you can do is you can bespoke what you do for individuals and make them feel great about themselves because you're spending a lot of potentially spending a load of money on a wellness mechanism that you think is going to be right. But if you tell me I've got to do wellness and it's not important to me, does it engage me or disengage me?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think you've got to understand the person. And I think one of the, we, if for those, you mentioned the interview with Judy Robinette on wisdom and we talked quite a lot there about one aspect of uh, wisdom is utilizing you know, many tools that are available to help us understand people and, and situations. And I use various diagnostics with my clients to help them do that. And uh, I think what I find fascinating with that is, is that there's often assumptions made about people that aren't correct, or there's frustrations with people, which actually could be a strength if if it was fully appreciated not 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 a weakness uh, and um particularly when you understand as a leader your own your own skills and uh and areas where you're not on your own flow and uh, you might want people to be like you when actually they're better off being better versions of themselves you know, so there's a lot of guessing goes on with people isn't there yeah totally and again it's getting
2: that it's getting a common understanding isn't it because If you and I were to sit down and have a conversation about something really quite, you know, simple about, you know, listening, you know, and what it is, we would both write down probably different examples of what listening is. Now, together, they might make a great picture, but independently, they're different. It's a bit like, how do you kind of create that, you know, synergy where we both have the same understanding of what something is? Because the assumption wisdom You know, if you take wisdom, you know, what is it? It's kind of, you know, it's experience. It is knowledge that's been built up, you know, over many years and application of that, right? Well, how do you give wisdom to, you know, to to a youngster? How do you, I mean, we're working with the University of West of England, which is amazing. We're working with a group of, uh, you know, entrepreneurs who are doing an entrepreneurial course. Um, And they're learning about everything else that is outside of themselves. You know, they're learning about how to, you know, kind of run a business or they're learning about technology and they're learning. So that, you know, these guys over four years will have spent 40,000 pounds or just short of
3: yeah,
2: in their student fees and they know nothing about themselves themselves, or how to present or how to engage or how to, you know, or how to work with people. They know nothing of that nature, you know? So how do you give them that? Because that's the stuff that businesses are moaning about and going, our education system isn't producing people that know how to do.
1: No, but the cynics, I mean, I, I, we have several university clients who so should be a bit careful here. Um, however, what they, they, the universities have to do is they have to get their curriculum through exam boards who measure the wrong things often. It's about, it becomes about knowledge and academia. and But the first thing is it all starts with you. And those courses should you know help people get a really deep insight of themselves before they go into the workplace. Um, but unfortunately... A lot of the people who work in that environment are too scared to get a deep insight of, into themselves. Um, so they rather talk about external things.
2: Yeah, totally. But
1: it's also understandable,
2: though, isn't it? Because like if you think, you know, the pace of change, you know, so these systems and processes and kind of institutions have been set up over many, many years. kind of, you know, pre, you know, pre, you know, you know web, you know, the web and, you know, access to all this richness of information. You know, when was the last time you looked at an encyclopedia? Mm. you know you just don't do you because it's all at hand so you know and I think what we've got is more and more as a, you know as I said in the workplace is more and more of what's been done is being done by you know by technical you know by digital intervention or by Michelin clever machines or robots that are doing things more and more of those jobs are going and more and more of what we need and our frontier is going to be about humanism because yeah you know so if you take it you know a, you know some of the best diagnosis is done by computers not doctors you know, most some of the most accurate is done, but you don't want to be told that by a computer. Yeah. You want a digi- you know, you want an intervention, don't you? So it's kind of it's about how quickly, you know, our in- infrastructure and everything catches up with the change because, it. you know, digitization has gone so quickly. You know, it's changing the face of what we do. Yeah.
1: Great. We're going to go to commercial break there again. And uh, we're going to talk after the break um, a little bit more about people about development and uh, developing people and we' also share as well it 'd be fair not to share a little bit about your your incredible system that you have been developing with pobe and Coach to to help people to do some of this, um, but utilizing online systems and not just face to face kind of interventions so people can work at their own pace and uh, get to understand themselves even better. So let's talk a little bit about that after the break. Uh, So do join us again in just a couple of minutes.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America.
0: Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper.
1: Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Paul Burton. We're talking about well, we're suggesting that we all stop guessing really when it comes to uh, comes to our people and what their needs might might, might be. So, Paul. Uh, learning and development's a uh, interesting area, and I've certainly experienced only, only recently uh, a situation where people in an organisation were being offered uh, some learning and development which really didn't meet their, their, you know, the the way they wanted to learn, uh, and because um, they hadn't been asked really, and they'd, and they'd been out to look at a system in the marketplace and they'd chose it without um, discussing with their employees first. So is, is this an area that we can, we can make lots of, lots of guesses and get it wrong?
2: Yeah, well, you know, we've, 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 I guess, to a certain extent, touched on some of these, you know, some of the issues that are kind of attached to this around, you know, kind of awareness. So, you know, the awareness of what the skills are to be able to do a job and a breakdown of that, you know, as opposed to just kind of knowing what the outcome is. Because mm. um, if, if you don't know the component parts to doing a job, and the skills that you need that are in there. How do you identify what you're going to do differently to change your performance outcomes? And I think, you know, if you think, what, what, what data do we typically have in organisations about our people? What, your, what would your experience be?
1: Uh, I think, I think, I think, limited.
2: Yeah, and I, and I think it's really it's historical data. So we'll know about absenteeism. We'll know about holiday. We'll know about pay. You know. Um, you know, length of service. We'll know about. Then we'll have um, probably some data about you know the outcomes of performance management conversations. So we'll know somebody's being graded a two, um, as an example, whatever that two is. But what will it tell us? You know, in terms of the detail, how do we kind of access that information? So you know, so if we don't have data to be able to support managers that says you know what are the skills you need, we're then reliant on the the manager's experience. To be able to identify what it is that people are, you know, have got and you know haven't got in terms of skills. So what happens quite often in my experience is you get to an end of your appraisal or you'll get to a point of time where there's a performance management conversation, and it will be, what training do you think you need? And as an individual, if I don't I don't know what I don't know. Mm. You know if I knew it, I'd have already done something about it in probability. So you know, tell me what should it be? Well, you know, your performance isn't great in these areas. Okay. So what do I do? Well, what courses are available? Let's have a look at what you could go on and it becomes what's available rather than what you need.
1: Yeah. I also think what happens is that sometimes this, uh, people, people who are appraising, they look at somebody and say, well, you know, that you need, um, you know, a a greater sense of detail. And then they look at that because actually they've got a great sense of detail. And in comparison to them, they think that person should be like them. So I've done, I've experienced people who've had 360 degree appraisals. And I could, um, I can, looking at those comments, I can, I know what kind of a profile the person who's given that comments and feedback to that individual is. Um, however, what they're all saying is, you should be more like me. So, uh, and, and the reality is what we want them to be is more the best versions of themselves.
2: Absolutely. I mean, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's, you know, The process is bias, you know, Mm. for a start, because actually my, you know, my judgment of what you do is going to be based on my experience, you know, so, and that will be based on either I've been, you know, I'm a manager and I've been in, you know, business for 30 years and the first time I was managed, it was sergeant major approach and control and blah, 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 or I've been in, you know, for a very short period of time and my understanding of leadership or management is, you know, parents, teachers, and then you know, one line manager. So you know, the variability of, of my experience and what I know will be so different; it's untrue. So how do you then get to a point of saying, okay, well, what do you need? What development do you need? And again, I think the other thing that we do is we, you know, it's managers have got a poison chalice, is not they? Because they're they're in charge of development. Mm. You know, we say that individuals are in charge of development, but you know, are, are they? Can they be? Mm. You know, so but actually only one person can change that, you know, an outcome of, you know, or their capability. And that's themselves. And yet we don't equip them very often to be in charge of their own development. I don't mean we don't say to them we are. I mean, we don't equip them to be.
1: So just, just going to that point, you know, let's, let's talk about Poby and C- Coach um, because I think what I've, I've understood from your technology and, having had having had a look at it is that actually what it helps one of the things it helps is the individual to equip themselves to be able to answer that question of what what development do i need yeah, totally. um, so t- tell us a little bit about what what pobi pobi and what c coach uh what you know what what are those tools uh how do they help people and um you know what's the, what's the benefits from them really
2: yeah okay so thank you so P is a business to business offering and Seacoach is an is an offering to individuals, to you know, public. So for an you know, for an individual to be able to purchase it, which is why there's you know slightly different brands and I kind of talked about, you know, at the start, you know, during lockdown that, you know, we kind of pivoted and started to move. And what and that's where Sea Coach was born, which was it was born from the and hopefully this will answer your question, but you know, please say if it doesn't, but you know, we recognize that there's going to be a whole load of changes for people, a whole load of people that are going to be made redundant or put on furlough, a whole load of industries that are going to be impacted. So people are going to need to be able to kind of reevaluate and rethink what skills do I need to be able to get into new environments or new jobs? And we kind of looked at what's available, you know, for you to be able to understand what skills you need to do different roles or different jobs. Um, and the job centre. In the UK is kind of, you know, has a responsibility to get you back into a job so you're not on benefits, which is which is a great service and we do need it. But what it doesn't help you understand is what skills do I need to be effective? So what we did is we've kind of developed our platform and what it basically we've got is um, we've got a digital coach. And what I mean by that is it's not a, a, you know, a piece of tech that kind of connects you with humans. It's a digital intervention that equips individuals to become very aware of their skills against what we call these passport skills, so the soft skills that you need to be able to thrive in your life. So, you know, wellness, performance, career, if you know what I mean. And what it equips individuals to do is to be able to jump in and kind of assess themselves. And what the platform does is very quickly help them identify what their priority development areas would be. And that's as a consequence of somebody's confidence and capability at something versus what they would need if they were in a certain type of role. So this is all about equipping an individual to be able to do this. The beauty of tech, what does it do? It kind of means that it's not judged. So we, before we talked about, I've got a bias because it's my experience. But as soon as you, intervene, you, you, um, into, you work with a piece of tech, can't even remember what the word is I want there, so excuse me. It's, not, it's got no bias. It's got no judgment. Hmm. Because as soon as you try and have a conversation with somebody about what you can do, if it's, for example, with your manager, you're being judged. So and as a consequence, what you'll want to do is you'll either want to make out that you're good or better at something than you are. Because if you're in a situation where it's about your performance and about what you're doing, you don't, won't want necessarily be seen to kind of have inabilities that you've already been paid to do. Does that makes sense? Yeah. But very much what it's about doing is putting an individual in the driving seat of their performance and accountability. And then when it identifies the development needs you've got, what it will do is it will connect you with development content that's, that will help you grow. So it's curated content that's great. It's high quality content that will help you kind of develop. But one of the neat things it will do is it will connect you with people across the organization or the community, depending on which platform you're on, to be able to collaborate with other people. So, Let's say, for example, Chris, you've got great strength. I know you've got great strength in many areas, but, you know, let's say, for example, that you're learning in conflict management and I'm learning in the same area, it will connect us. So across an organization, all of a sudden what it does is it makes a very big organization, potentially very small, in as much Mm. as it connects you with somebody that works over in this department here that's learning in the same place. Well, you know, we've got four generations in the workforce now, you know, imagine the amount of experience that you've got, but do you know where it is and can you tap into it and can you learn from it? And again, the same from an expert. You know, if, if you know, let's say, for example, you're learning in an area and I'm an expert in it, it will connect us. So we've got this ability for collaboration as well as kind of learning. Um, I suppose just very quickly, but what it does is it gives great data to businesses, but it does it by actually giving value at the point that somebody's in, you know, interacting with it. So many systems give central data to kind of like HR, which tells them about it, but actually you've got no value at the point of interfacing with it. Yeah. What this does, it gives that and it bridges the gap between a manager's understanding of what you can do and what you understand you can do against the consistent framework. So it creates this commonality.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's the, that's the, that's the POBE system in an organization. The C coach is anybody, you, and you know, you and I, anybody can access that, can't they? And, uh, they, you know, for a few few pounds or a few dollars, because it's not a not expensive, uh, you can utilize that system. I think what I think is really key here. What what I think people often miss in organisations is they 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 kind of expect their company to do the investment for them, and they sit around waiting for the company. And they you know they'll either be delighted that they're getting development or frustrated that they're not. Um, the thing I've always believed in is investing in yourself because you're you're, you're a key asset aren't you and uh, and and that investment in yourself see it as an investment because ultimately it'll have multiple returns in the future uh, and and you'll stand out versus everybody else so i think i think what I see in your tool is um one methodology for people to be able to um take some ownership themselves
2: not totally it's it's you know great business is about partnership right between an individual and, and a business you know it doesn't you know, great businesses flourish because they've got a great connection with their you know the people that work in there you know they're investing in those people they're not just numbers they're seen they heard they are felt you know they're looked after but actually that individual also as a consequence of that investment gives that back mm-hmm. you know that's where you get increases in productivity because you've got that connection with somebody if you want to work with somebody you give more you know and it goes back to what we we're talking about about that disengagement and you know so it's about partnership and about understanding those things, but how do you create how do you create that common understanding and 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 that conduit to be able to do that
1: well we've got go we've got to, we've got to end there we're we're at the end of the interview um before we do that have you got a final message you'd like to leave us with
2: so i just i just think you know it's about treating you know for, for me it's about treating individuals as just that you know as you know as individuals you know really getting to know them and understand them. Um, as I said, I think that the future of our, you know, the future of work for us is humanism. But don't assume that everybody has the same understanding of what that humanism is or those skills. And how do you get people onto the same page so you can have great conversation and great supportive development? It, you know, and help people grow through
1: an organization by having that. Excellent. Well, for people who want to find out more, um, pobylimited.com is that, is that the one? And c uh, C coach.com. That's c um, with a. Negative sign or uh, hyphen sign coach.com. and uh, on next week's show we've got um, Simon Severino. We're going to be talking about strategy sprints. They're uh, you know amazing at um, helping people transform their the strategy of their business and deliver significant results very fast. Um, but I really enjoyed the conversation with you today, Paul. It's been it's been been fascinating. I think it's important. That we do stop guessing and uh, i wish you all the very best with poby and with uh, ccoach uh, and uh, i know you come from a great place and you you know you passionately believe in helping people with their development and uh, enabling companies to to stop guessing and, and gain more data so they can have greater insight and have greater value to their people so thank, thank you.
2: you very much thanks for the opportunity chris really appreciate
0: it